Welcome to Always Abounding. This podcast will encourage you as a believer to continue on and always abound in the work of the Lord. Now your host, Keith Stensis. into our podcast, Always Abounding. This is your host, Brother Keith Stensis, here in the country of Uganda, East Africa. Uh, we are right in the, well, I don't know, maybe the center of Africa, uh, going north and south, at least uh, if you look at the equator, uh, follow the equator line all the way around, and the equator goes right through the middle of the country of Uganda. And as a matter of fact, we live about 30, 40 miles south of the equator, so we live in the southern hemisphere and uh, we go to the capital city of Kampala to do our shopping in the northern hemisphere. How many people get a chance to do that, huh? And uh, so that is one of the unique things here about Uganda and I'm so glad to be able to serve the Lord here. Uh, this, this month, or actually the time that I'm doing this podcast, Uh, We have been in Uganda now for 27 years, 27 years, and uh, what a blessing it is to be able to serve the Lord here uh, in that time period, and I hope and pray that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And uh, once again, I sure hope and pray that the years and the investment that uh, we have put in, and not only us, but uh, supporting churches, supporting individuals, people's prayers, all the investment that has been put into this ministry here the last 27 years, I hope and pray that it is not in vain. And uh, according to the promise of God, uh, if we are always abounding in the work of the Lord, our labor will not be in vain. Amen. And uh, I told you a little bit on our last podcast about our recent trip up to Kalido and uh, the great time we had up there with those men. And I mentioned, and I kind of mentioned in passing, but I want to go into a little more detail, but I've mentioned in the past in a previous podcast that we've had several men up there that are pastoring churches uh, that are not married properly. And uh, there's about eight of them uh, that are in that situation. Uh, They're not married properly. They just follow the culture uh, here, which allows people to live together uh, in fornication if they cannot afford to get married. And uh, so it's a very it's a very sad situation. The whole the whole marriage uh, setup here uh, in Uganda is is very is quite sad. It really is to me. There's just so there's very little joy in it. Everyone's it's all about money. It's all about partying. It's all about uh, this and that. And so many times uh, I've heard many people say, well, uh, marriages or weddings are just for the wealthy. And uh, because the people uh, that uh, many times we deal with on an everyday basis, your your common man uh, so many times cannot afford uh, what is expected, the bride prices that these families will uh, try to demand uh, from the bridegroom, as well as the expectations that is that are there as far as the weddings are concerned. And so because of that, uh, most of them just decide to live in fornication and uh, because they just can't afford to do it. And so we're doing our level best to encourage uh, not just uh, uh, our pastors, 
pastors, obviously, those that want to pastor, but uh, any of our people, we try to encourage them to get right with the Lord. And uh, if they're living in fornication, they need to flee that fornication. They need to get their marriages right. And uh, so we've seen a lot of things happen. We've seen a lot of victories come to pass with that. And uh, so when we had our last meeting up in Calido uh, with the men, this was back in November, I challenged them and I said, listen, you cannot look at the whole picture of what you have to do in order to get married, I said, you'll never get married because it's there's just too many things. It's too much money. It's too much, uh, too many things have to fall into place. And so I said, if we're going to make this happen, we've got to uh, take it in steps, all right, a little bit at a time. And so I challenged him. I said, all right, over the holiday, over December and January, I want you to sit down uh, with, uh, try to find out the, uh, the expectations of the uh, the ladies' parents, you know what? How much bride price they're uh, demanding, and and then how much you've got to set aside for uh, the the wedding, and uh, get all that together so that we know what to to look for. And uh, and the way they do things here in Uganda is they come up with what they call the budget, and uh, so they sit down and they say, all right, we need this much for the wedding dress, this much for uh, this the tents, we need this much for the sound equipment and this much for whatever the bride price might be. It might be four cows. It might be five cows. It might be uh, some goats. It might, you know, it it varies with the family what they demand. And so you put all of that on a budget and uh, the amount of money that you need. And uh, then you take that budget and you pass it around to your family. You pass it around to your friends. You give it to anybody who, who might have uh, where you might have some hope that they might be able to help you with that, and that's just that's just the way they do it here. That's the that's is the common culture uh, because there is just absolutely no way when you when you live in a culture where the majority of your people are making a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars a month. Um, there is just absolutely no way for them to set aside. And so uh, typically it's a community project where friends and family will come together and uh, give toward that budget so that it can make it happen. And I just told him, I said, guys, uh, until you get your budget made, you're never going to find out if this can happen. You're just sitting back saying it will never happen. Let's make it happen. And, uh, and so I praise the Lord. There were three guys that uh, came out of the eight. There were three that came with their budgets, and uh, they said, uh, here's the budget. We're, we're ready to go. We've set the date uh, for the 26th of August, and uh, and so we that is the plan. And so between now and August, we're going to start collecting the money and the funds and the bride price and all of that uh, to make it happen. Three, uh, there were three other guys that, uh, because of extenuating circumstances, they were not able to meet uh, with the uh, family to find out what was expected, but they are going to provide that information by the time we meet uh, in March, the end of March. So that will, so that's six of them. And uh, then there were two, and uh, these two guys, uh, honestly, they didn't do anything. And I, and I really think the reason why they're not is because both of these guys are in their uh, 70s and 80s. And and I think, and again, I'm not saying it's right, but I think they're like, all right, man, we're in our 70s and 80s. We are not, we're not going to go 
through this. And uh, so I, I laugh at that, but uh, I'm hoping that they will still come through because they still, even though they're in their 70s, 80s, they still need to get right with the Lord. Uh, but uh, but it, it, the good thing is, is these, these older men uh, are understanding that they are up in years and uh, they don't have a lot of time left. And uh, so they are starting to send men to represent them, men in their churches uh, that uh, are potentially the ones that will take their place and uh, be able to lead those churches for them. So I would just ask that you pray for these men as they get their their marriages right. Um, two of these men so far, and I, I believe there's going to be more, uh, but I told him, I said, listen, our goal here is not celebration. Our goal is to get right with God. And so keep it simple. And uh, so I said, I would recommend that we have one wedding and have many uh, who are getting wed on the same day. I said, you can have one party for everybody and save some money and uh, have a big function, a big occasion, have three or four people get married on the same day. And uh, so two of them are already planning on doing that. Two of them are planning on doing that on the 26th of August. And, uh, and I'm hoping that others will fall in line as well just to try to keep those costs down and uh, keep things, keep the expenses to a, a minimum. And uh, so uh, please, please, please pray for these men as they not only uh, try to further their Bible education and try to further their uh, influence in the ministries, but as well trying to get their families right with the Lord in their marriages. And so please, please put that on your prayer list and uh, pray for these men. Whenever you think about Kalido, uh, pray for our Barnabas Baptist Bible Training Center that is up there. Pay for the training that's going on uh, with, the pa- with the wives, with the pastors, with the teachers, all of that that is going on there. We're training right now. A little over almost 60 people are being trained uh, in that training ministry. And so it's having a big effect on that area up there, but uh, specifically, if you would, uh, pray for those marriages. Uh, That would be a great, great answer to prayer. I also have another encouraging thing. Uh, I told you about uh, that man a few podcasts ago. His name is Isaac that uh, got saved by finding a John and Romans underneath a bunch of marijuana that was being rolled up uh, to be smoked, and he asked if he could have that John Romans, and because of that, he came to church. And uh, as as the Lord would have it, we uh, I had the opportunity of leading him to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, that guy is on fire. He is excited about the things of the Lord. He has he has not missed a service uh, since he got saved, and uh, he's been bringing visitors and talking to people. And uh, this last Wednesday, he brought a visitor by the name of Elvis, and uh, Elvis is yes in the building, and uh, so. Anyway, he brought a visitor named Elvis uh, that came on Wednesday, and then uh, in church on Sunday, this past Sunday, he brought uh, two more visitors, Ivan and Andrew. And uh, so yesterday, uh, myself and one of our men uh, went with Isaac to visit these guys, and so we met them at a place, uh, just a ramshackle place, where they sell timber, uh, four by twos, four, two by sixes, things like that. And so they they that's what their business is, and they sell that. And so we went there, talked to him, and went through the plan of salvation with all three of them and uh, spent about 45 minutes, 50 minutes there talking to them. And uh, after we went through the whole thing, uh, all three of them gave a testimony that they had already trusted uh, Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so we encouraged them to be faithful 
people to church. We encourage them to grow in the Lord, and, and we let them know about our desire to help them with that. Well, while we were there talking, um, we saw a man walk around the building and uh, kind of looked inside, saw what we were doing, and uh, he just came in and sat down on the boards and uh, just sat there, was real quiet. And, uh, and so after I finished uh, working with these other three men, uh, I turned around and we met this guy, and uh, his name was Lulu Charles. And, uh, and so we uh, started talking to him, and he was, you know, we, we asked him a question, and we're here telling, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and telling people that uh, they need to get saved. And he just flat out, without any encouragement, he just flat out said, you know what, I'm a sinner, and if I die today, I don't know where I'm going. He says, no, as a matter of fact, I do. He says, I am going to die and go to hell. And so we uh, were able to take the word of God and uh, Brother Robert Wambale, who was my partner that uh, day, um, took the Bible and showed Charles how to get saved. And he bowed his head right there and trusted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. And, uh, and it, it's just, it's amazing. Here we are, we're sitting here in this wood shop, minding our own business, talking to these people and God brought this man to us, a man who was ready to get saved, ready to get born again. And uh, it's just amazing to me sometimes to see how God works, how God leads, and uh, and we just need to always be ready at a moment's notice uh, to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone that we meet. And so pray for Lulu Charles and uh, pray that uh, we can work with him. And uh, he's got a pretty good job uh, in town working at a bank. And, uh, and so I'm hoping that we will be able to have some influence in his life and uh, be able to start discipleship, talking to him about baptism and uh, helping him uh, on his journey and in his walk with the Lord. And so pray for Lulu Charles if you would. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians and chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians and chapter number one. And uh, we're going to start going uh, as time allows and as, as the Lord gives us opportunity. We're going to go verse by verse uh, through the book of Thessalonians and uh, just as we did through the book of James. And uh, I, when I, when I see the book of Thessalonians, I see a church uh, that was always abounding, a church that was doing something for God, a church that was part of those Macedonian churches uh, that the Paul, Paul tells us in Corinthians that were in affliction and deep poverty, and uh, they didn't have a whole lot, and yet they abounded in the work of the Lord. And, uh, and so you see a church here, and uh, we're going to see how in this first chapter the recommendations that Paul makes of this church and the recommendations he makes of the church um, and, and the work that they were doing, what they were accomplishing. And so my question is, is what kind of message would you give to a church that is always abounding? What kind of message, what kind of encouragement would you give to a church that is always abounding? And, uh, and so that's what I would like to do, uh, again, as we're following our theme of always abounding in the work of the Lord and uh, encouraging and motivating one another to abound, do more for the Lord, don't settle for average, don't settle for what everybody else is doing, uh, but do more for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just by way of introduction, I do want us to hold our place here in uh, Thessalonians, and I want us to go back 
and uh, just get an idea of what this church is going through, what this church is all about. And so go to 2 Corinthians and chapter number 8, 2 Corinthians and chapter number 8, and uh, the Bible talks with us about these particular churches here. And uh, the Bible helps us to understand what these churches are going through. The Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Now, I think uh, a lot of times uh, as we study the Word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we use that a lot, and rightly so, uh, in the area of financial giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 9 uh, deals with the New Testament principles of giving. And, uh, and then when you couple that with one of the other Macedonian churches, the Philippian church, uh, how at the end of chapter 4 in, chapter, uh, in Philippians, he talks about their giving so that Paul could further the gospel. I think a lot of times when we go through this, our first thought is Philippi. Philippi was the church of Macedonia, and Philippi was the one that was giving. Uh, but he does not specifically mention the church at Philippi here. He just says the churches of Macedonia. And uh, the churches of Macedonia that we are familiar with are Philippi, uh, then Thessalonica, and then uh, Berea. Uh, those are the three primary uh, churches that uh, Paul was in that uh, we are uh, uniquely aware of, that Paul had some influence in these places. And so uh, we understand there in verse number two that they were in a great trial of affliction, and yet, though they were in deep poverty, and yet they were suffering a lot of things, they abounded in the riches of their liberality, and not just to their power, but beyond their power, they were willing of themselves to serve the Lord. Now, we come to the book of First Thessalonians, and we find that attitude here in chapter 1. And uh, not necessarily in the area of giving per se, like you see in the in the with the church at Philippi, but you see it here in their attitude of being willing of themselves to give of themselves to offer themselves to the Lord for the service of the Lord, and we see that definitely without a doubt uh, here in the first chapter of First Thessalonians. And uh, so let's just start this off with just kind of be an introduction day, uh, just to introduce us, if you would, to uh, this Thessalonian church. The Bible says in verse number one, we'll read verses one through four, uh, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. All right. So as we look at this, uh, these first four verses here, and uh, 
Without a doubt, it's the introduction. Paul uh, gives his typical introduction and introduces uh, who is there. And uh, it would seem to indicate that all three of these men had some part in this letter. And uh, a lot of times we are very quick to say, well, Paul wrote the letter, and I believe he did have a part in, in many other uh, portions of Scripture and many uh, other letters, like back in Colossians, it just simply says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, uh, and Timotheus. Um, then you find uh, other letters, uh, like in uh, Philippians, where, let me go to the book of Philippians here, and uh, where Paul says, uh, is Philippians still in my Bible? There it is. Uh, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to the saints, uh, which are at Philippi. Uh, in Ephesus, he says, just Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the saints. And so uh, in these books of the Bible, Paul identifies himself as the author, but it appears as we come here to 1 Thessalonians that also Silvanus, uh, who we know of as Silas and uh, Timotheus, may have also had a part in this. Now, regardless of who wrote it and how many had a part in writing it, we understand it was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, so I'm not going to try to dissect Thessalonians and, well, did Paul write this part or Sylvanius write this part or Timotheus write this part? But this letter was from all three of these men. It was very clear that it was all from all three. So Paul, Sylvanius, and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first thing I want you to notice in this introduction is the position that this local church is in. And uh, I love to look, as I study through the Word of God, I love to look for prepositions because prepositions really help the verse to stand out. I love to circle prepositions, underline prepositions, because it really makes the verse to come alive. And so he says, we're writing to this church, which is in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is very significant because this church recognized their position in Christ. Uh, if you go back to the book of John, chapter 10, a very, very familiar uh, portion of Scripture, uh, Jesus Christ is talking about his sheep. In uh, chapter 10, verse number 27, the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And so we see there that we are not only in the hand of Christ, but we are also in the hand of our Heavenly Father. And so when he says that this church is in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a very, very secure position. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Over and over and over and over in the scriptures, the Bible talks about our position in Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 13, uh, the Bible says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Verse number 27, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. I am so thankful that 
though I am very strong local church and I am very strong believer in the local church and supporting the local church and establishing the local church, I am glad that the local church is in the body of Christ, the church. Amen. And uh, the church is universal. The church is worldwide. The church is the body of Christ. Every saved person, every saved believer is part of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is clearly seen as the church. All right. Now, uh, I am not someone who believes strictly in the universal church at the expense or at the at, at just leaving out the local church. No, I, I believe that the local church is in God. The local church is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. He is the church. And uh, and so I believe in, in a fair looking of scripture, you have to understand that the body of Christ, which we call the church, is a worldwide organization. Every saved person, whether what country you're from or what village you're from, every saved, born again child of God is part of the church, the body of Christ. But got that church, that body of Christ is made up of local independent churches that have their own pastor, that have their leadership, and that particular local church has a responsibility of reaching that particular area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so those two words in are very important there because the church, this local church of the Thessalonians is in God, and this local church of the Thessalonians is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that can be is that happened at salvation. Why? Because every one of the members of this local church at Thessalonica at one time in their life became part of the body of Christ, the lo- or the, the, the church in general, the church all around the world as we know of today. And, uh, and so this is the position of the local church. The position of the local church is in Christ, in God, a very secure position. Now, why is that so important? Because this church, as well as the other churches, churches of Macedonia, the Bible says we're in great affliction. They were in great affliction. Uh, They were going through persecution. They were going through suffering. If you remember uh, Paul and Silas, uh, they had to flee uh, the uh, cities of Macedonia because of the great persecution and had to flee down into Athens and uh, the the Grecian area, uh, down in Achaia. uh, And and, and they had to flee from the persecution that was going on there. But these churches stayed there. And yet Paul is assuring them, hey, you are in Christ, you are in God. Okay. Now, secondly, I want you to notice in this introduction here, the need of the local church. The Bible says there in verse number one, grace be unto you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so the position that we have in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ gives us exactly what we need. We need grace and we need peace. 
Um, the world is not going to give us peace. The United Nations is not going to give us peace. Uh, government leaders, politicians are not going to give us peace. Peace can only come through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way uh, that you can get peace. That is the only way that you can get grace. Now, I love that word grace. Grace be unto you. And uh, I have defined grace as you go through Scripture and looking at the various aspects of grace. Grace is that God-given ability or that God-given power to do that which you cannot do in your flesh. For by grace are ye saved through faith. God, you cannot save yourself. It is only because of what God did in your life. He says, listen, I, I've got this thorn in the flesh. I need you to remove this uh, this thorn from me. He says, no, I'm not going to remove it, but my grace will be sufficient for you. What did Paul respond to that? Most gladly, therefore, will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so these people needed God's grace and they needed God's peace. What is peace? Peace is that beyond our understanding, knowledge, and assurance that everything's going to be okay. Ultimately, everything is going to be fine. And let the world do what it may. Let the world put us in prison. Let the world sue us. Let the world kill us. Let the world persecute us. Hey, whatever the world wants to do, there is a peace that is in our heart that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're just here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for every believer, no matter what happens to us, it always gets better. And so a church that was very familiar with poverty, a church that was very familiar with affliction, a, very, a church very familiar with persecution, he says, you need God's grace and you need God's peace and you are in the right place place to get it. All right. You are in God, the father, you are in the Lord Jesus Christ and in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will find all the grace that you need to do the work of God. You will find all the peace that you need to continue in such a way that the heart is not in turmoil. The heart is not in fear. You can go on and serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. Notice number three, the testimony of this local church. The Bible says there in verse number two, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. And then just, just a small note there, uh, who do you mention in your prayers? Uh, what churches are you praying for? What missionaries are you praying for? What family members are you praying for? Uh, Paul made it very clear in our prayers, our prayers need to have intercession for others, intercession for churches, intercession for pastors, intercession for missionaries, for family members, for friends. Uh, that ought to be in our prayers. And so he says, I thank God that I always make mention of you in my prayers. Why? What was it that stood out in Paul's mind that every time he would pray, he would think of the Thessalonian church. Well, he says in verse number three, remembering without ceasing, he says, I'll never forget your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Now watch this, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Again, he is talking here, he, this, he says, We're, our position is in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need is in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we are accomplishing is because we are in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so notice, first of all, he says, I remember your work of faith. Listen, it is not easy to live by faith. 
All right. People say, well, we just live by faith, live by faith, live by faith. That's not easy. We, we, we are natural people. We are naturally living by sight. It takes work to live by faith. It takes, uh, it, it takes effort to live by faith. We have got to uh, understand that I cannot trust in what I see. I cannot trust in what I feel. I can't trust in what I think. I must live by faith. He says, I remembered your work of faith. You, you strove to live by faith. You strove to live and believe God and trust God that everything that God said would come to pass and everything that God said was true. And, and that took a lot of work on your part, but he says, I remember your work of faith. And so these people, these Thessalonians were involved in a spiritual work of living by faith. But secondly, the Bible says they were involved in the labor of love, their labor of love. This was a physical work, all right? Love cannot be done without action, all right? Love takes action. Lo uh, you can't just say, I love you. There must be action. There must be evidence to prove uh, what has been said uh, in as far as I love you or I love God. I love this. Where's, where's the proof? Uh, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. So the work of faith is a spiritual work. It is a it is a work that cannot be seen. It is a work that is within you. It is a trust of God. It is a belief of God. It is a trust in his promises. It is a trust in his word. That is a work of faith. It is a spiritual work. But Paul said, I was also very much aware of your physical work for God, the spiritual or the physical things you did, the the obvious things you did, the things that I saw you do. Do, the, 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 the gift that was given to that person or the encouraging word that was given to that person, your labor of love, your work of love, your the physical effort that you put in to showing and proving your love for the believers. He said, so I saw your spiritual work. I saw your physical work. And then thirdly, he says, I saw your patience of hope that was their eternal work. These people understood that the work that they were doing was for a greater cause. It was not for the immediate. It was not uh, to, to become popular. It was not to become rich. But they had patience of hope, and that hope came through Jesus Christ. Right now we're suffering financially. Right now we're suffering through persecution. We're suffering through all of these things. But our hope is in Jesus Christ, and we are patiently waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're patiently waiting for him to come and take us home. And so why we are patiently waiting, we are going to work out our faith and we're going to live by faith. We're going to trust God. We're going to believe God and we're going to show our love for the brethren. We're going to show our love for the word. We're going to show our love for God by doing outward things. We're going to be doing things for the Lord. And in the midst of doing all of those things, we're going to patiently wait for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the sight of God, our Father. God's watching everything we do. He sees our labor. He sees our love. He sees our patience. All of that is there. And that's why I go back to our theme verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. Why? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what you see them doing. They're abounding in the work of faith, abounding in their labor of love, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's what they understood. Our labor, our work is not in vain because we are patiently waiting in hope of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that 
that God, our Father, is watching every single thing that we do. And then he ends the introduction, verse number four. He says, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. So first of all, we saw the position of the local church. The second thing we saw was the need of the local church. The third thing we saw was the testimony of the local church. And then number four, we see here the security of the local church. He says, knowing, brethren. Now, at the end of verse number three is a semicolon, so let's read it together. He says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. So this is Paul knowing, all right? He is the one that is doing the uh, the giving of thanks. He is the one that is remembering. He is the one that is knowing. He says, I know, brethren, your election of God. Now, a lot of people fear this word election, and uh, there's a lot of debate about the word elect and election. And, and, and I think that... Uh, uh, a lot of that is coming because of this uh, Calvinistic uh, mentality that we're trying to get away from the responsibility of preaching the gospel. Uh, we just want to be spiritual. We want to be holy. And we, we just leave uh, everything to God. God has elected who's going to get saved. God has elected who's going to not be saved. And so therefore, there's nothing we need to do to preach the gospel. That goes totally against every every single thing that the Word of God stands for. I mean, from the beginning to the very end, it goes against everything. I mean, if that was the case, then why in the world did Jesus Christ even have to come die on the cross? If he was going to select who was going to get to heaven, if he was going to select who was going to get saved, why, why would he even have to come on the cross? Why would, why would the Bible say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son? And so it is just simply this. It is, it is not a someone that God has chosen. Now, the word elect means the chosen, no doubt about it. Election means to the, the ability to choose. But one thing that's very interesting, if you study the word elect or election in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll find in the Old Testament that the children of Israel were called his elect. Why? That's why they were called God's chosen people, all right? They were his, uh, of all the people in the Old Testament, of all the nations in the Old Testament, God chose the nation of Israel as his elect, his chosen people. Now, God, uh, at the cross, God said, all right, I'm going to set my people aside for a little while. I'm going to set them aside. I'm going to introduce the mystery of the church. I'll come back to them when we get to the tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble. I'll get back to them in a little bit, but I am going to now have a new chosen people, and that chosen people is the church, the body of Christ. And God chooses to work through his body. God chooses to work through his church. And so his church is now his chosen people. Now, don't get me wrong. The church did not replace Israel. All right. Israel is very different from the church. They are two separate entities. They are two separate uh, organizations. God has different promises for the church than he has uh, for Israel. There are two different things there. I'm not, I, I do not believe in replacement theology one bit, not one iota. But I do want you to understand this term election is used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, the term election is referring to 
Israel, his chosen people, in the New Testament is referred to the church, his chosen people for the New Testament church age, his body, the body of Christ are his chosen people. Now, where people get hung up is the term elect. Did God just choose who he wanted to get saved? Did God just choose uh, who he did not want to get saved? And so therefore, there's no purpose in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I believe the answer is found very clearly in the book of First Peter and chapter number one. First Peter chapter one. And I'm not going to go into great detail on this. We're just going to let the Bible uh, say what it says here. Notice in First uh, Peter chapter one and verse number one. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect how? According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. All right, so we are the elect, the Thessalonian believers here were the election of God. They were the elect of God according to the foreknowledge of God. And so we have to, you cannot look at election without looking at foreknowledge. All right. God knows everything. God is omniscient. And, and God, even before the foundation of this earth, knew who was going to get saved and who was not going to get saved. And so, therefore, in the foreknowledge of God, in that characteristic of our eternal God, he knew who the elect were going to be. He knew who his chosen were going to be just simply because of his foreknowledge. His foreknowledge determined not who was going to get saved and who was not going to get saved, but his foreknowledge determined a knowledge of who would make that choice and who would decide to get born again and who would decide not to get born again. And so therefore, all of his, he knows from, from the very first person that got saved in the church age to the very last person that's going to get saved when right before the rapture takes place, he knows exactly who they are and those are his elect, all right? Those are his chosen ones. Those are the ones that he chooses to use to accomplish his purpose in the church age. And so this statement here, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God was assuring them, hey, you are secure in Christ. You, From the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, you were uh, known by God as the elect. You are in Christ. There's nothing that's going to change that fact. You are part of the election of of God. And I am so thankful today that I know uh, without any shadow of a doubt that I am part of his election as well. Amen. He knew before the foundation of the world that Keith Stensis on April the 25th, 1986, would trust Jesus Christ as his Savior and become part of the body of Christ. He knew that. And he knows who's going to get saved next week. And he knows who's going to get saved if he tarries in the following week. He knows his elect, and those are. Are his chosen ones. Those are those that are in Christ, part of his body. These are the ones that he uses to accomplish his 
purpose in the New Testament church age. Well, that is all we have time for today. We actually went a little bit longer than I normally go, but that is the introduction to the book of Thessalonians, and uh, I'm excited about that, looking forward to going through and seeing the message that Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, the message that these men had for a church that was always abounding in the work of the Lord. Very clearly, very clearly, a church that was on fire for the Lord, a church that was working not only a out side work, but they were working on their faith, making sure they were growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, patient uh, of hope, uh, knowing that the coming of the Lord was at any time. What a great church. I'm looking forward to this study, and I hope and pray that it'll be an encouragement and help to you as well. Well, don't forget, if you have not done so already, let me encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. And uh, if you are on a social media platform, and uh, I am personally not, uh, but if you are, maybe use Twitter, maybe use Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is. And uh, if this program has been a blessing to you, uh, do me a favor, share it with uh, the uh, your friends and family. And uh, maybe this program can also be an encouragement and a help to them as well. That would be such a blessing. And I appreciate that so, so very much. Thank you so much for all of your comments. Thank you so much for your giving, your prayers. And uh, what a blessing it is to be able to represent you uh, here in the country of Uganda, reaching Ugandans with the gospel of Jesus Christ, training men and women for the ministry, and doing everything we can to always abound in the work of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What a great, great, precious promise that is. God bless you so much. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. We want to thank you for listening today. We trust that this podcast was an encouragement to you to always abound in the work of the Lord. For more information about your host or simply contact us, visit kstensisfamily.com.